here is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. Welcome in, everybody, to this special episode of Dissecting the Pitch, Zoom version, Zoom edition, whatever you want to call it. I'm Gareth Kwok, Edwin Perez there, as well as Jackson Miller McHaney. Gentlemen, it's been two and a half months since uh, the last time we've had a, a live show, and two and a half months since we've had any sort of soccer, but just got to ask, how are you guys doing? Great. I've been watching some Bundesliga, so I can't be complaining. I know my brother Miller has too. You know, I'll throw back the question to you later, Garrett. But uh, Miller, how, how have you enjoyed the Bundesliga action so far? Um, you know, obviously it's not really what you want all the time, but it's better than it's better than the K League, so I'll take it. <laughs> that much is true. Now, Gareth, Gareth, you know, being a third member of the day, a DTP membership, you know, we gotta ask you, how's your Bundesliga watching going? Um, strictly off YouTube, YouTube highlights. All right. Don't worry about it, but we're, we're going to, we're going to ease into the live soccer and live TV in a bit. So, uh, no need, Hey, no need to, no need to attack me on that. I'm, I'm working my way up there. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, I felt like there were some good games, you know, there was a Bayer Dortmund, you know, I enjoyed the fake crowd noise in it. So I had to see how, how you were enjoying it. Oh man. The fake crowd noise gets me every time. Gets me every time. (laughs) But I think it's time we we dive into lots of topics here. We got a lot to cover, uh, and and this is just uh, another way for us to get some content out there. It's been a minute, and so we'll have all these these podcasts uh, uploaded onto your uh, channels, such as Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Um, but let's just get right into it because they're finally soccer's European soccer is coming back, and the big leagues and. The list of leagues that are returning, the Bundesliga was the first one to return on May 16th. And now you have several other, uh, the three other European leagues that are slated to return with the Serie A supposed to return June 20th, the Premier League supposed to return June 17th, and then La Liga, which was actually just announced today on Friday, slated to return June 11th. League One, however, in France, they've already canceled their season on April 30th, and they will not be uh, restarting, but we will get into more of that as well. But just uh, from a, a very general standpoint, I know it's a very general question for the two of you, but what's uh, what's your reaction to everything starting to get back to normal and have these leagues come into play with no fans? As, as a soccer fan, you just got to appreciate waking up and having the ability to watch a game. It's not like you're, you're, you're going to watch every game, you know, because I mean, there's mornings where I wake up and I say, am I really going to watch a 13 versus 17 plays Bundesliga just because that's the only soccer on. I mean, that's the reality of it is I'm not going to watch that. But as a fan, you're, you're excited to at least see something going on. You know, it shows that, hey, we're getting something back. I mean, it's decent football. You know, we can finally, you know, get back to our conversation like this. You know, the DT boys are back together because we have soccer back. But, I mean, it just shows, you know, it's exciting. Um, that's my overall reaction to it. But my my down down of it is the fake crowd noise because it feels a little unauthentic. Uh, 
it feels unreal sometimes. So it's kind of sad, but I'll take it at this point. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's like you said, it's nice to have something back and everything. And it just kind of shows that, you know, the world's moving in the right direction a little bit. So all the leagues are slowly coming back, except, you know, like League One canceled. I mean, basketball's, you know, supposed to be coming back. Baseball is supposed to be coming back as well. Um, so that's really exciting. Hopefully they all go well and there's not any problems, not any rough patches that kind of throw off, you know, the projection of where it's all returning and everything like that so hopefully it goes well and we can continue to do everything right and get fans back there and you know keep everyone happy so exactly thank you <laughs> well I guess you got to give credit for some of these the leagues except the league one for waiting it out and and seeing whether the situation would improve and, and indeed it has been improving to the point now that they can restart but and I want to pose this question though because uh, a lot of you know we will get into the Lyon president and, and some of these proponents here are wanting the league one to restart. And they thought that it might've been canceled. The season might've been canceled too early. Uh, Seth Fabregas even thinks so. He said, quote, it's a, it is a big decision that they took. I understand why they took it. This is what he told the bean sports uh, quote. Maybe it was taken too soon considering a lot of the big leagues are trying to make it happen. And which that, that's exactly what happened. But you blame it all league one for maybe, you know, canceling too early? Do you think that was the right decision? It's very easy to make this decision in hindsight, but what do you think now that they're sort of the odd league out? It's hard because, I mean, in a safety standpoint, it makes sense, you know? You don't want to risk anything, especially with everything that's going on. And that's, and that's just a clear standpoint. So I understand that mindset, but I think he should have, you know, they should have waited a bit. I'm not saying it would have, you know, gave a conclusive, you know, they should play or not, but if they waited a bit, I mean, look at the leagues like we we're just talking about, and you mentioned earlier, La Liga just announced today their return date. You know, so you see a lot of these leagues making decisions now. And if you're if you're one of those leagues, you should have you know waited and you know be able to play, you know, will be able to make the decision to play now because I mean that's what everyone's thinking. Because I mean we have the whole Lyon thing now with the president. You know, he's mad about the Champions League. You can't blame him for being mad because they, they still had a shot at it. But at, at the same time, I see the opposite end. I mean, PSG, that, that league's the PSG league. I mean, we mentioned it every time. This is the league PSG usually wins. I mean, it's pretty easy. I mean, obviously, there's some competition. But at the end of the day, there were still a lot of league matches to be played. So I'm on both spectrums of it. But, I mean, I hate to see it for Lyon's standpoint. But at the same time, I see why he ended it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things to think about this, but I think um, the biggest factor to it is obviously like we talked about and, you know, like everybody's seen in the news, obviously leagues are now starting to say, okay, we're going to play two weeks from now, you know, starting, you know, the first couple weeks of June or, you know, mid-June, something like that. Um, so I think the biggest thing is we're going to have to wait and see how it goes because obviously, you know, the Bundesliga is playing, but they've only been playing for what, you know, a couple of weeks. So, I mean, really in a month or two after it's in full swing and a lot of, lot of players and, you know, people around, um, you know, the stadiums and around the offices and everything of the teams are coming back. We're going to see how it's really, you know, turning out, like if people are still getting sick or if people are all right and, 
how that's going to go because if people start getting sick again and there's another issue, then obviously League One, they're going to look like, you know, geniuses. Like they're, they're going to be praised, you know, as the people that, you know, took the necessary precautions and everything like that and the safety of their players and everybody that worked for them. So I guess it really just kind of depends on where we're at in a couple of months. But I think the really big, like, downside of it is some of the individual players – and some of the individual teams, I mean, like you mentioned, Edwin, this is the PSG League. Obviously, far and away, they were going to win it, and they're going to go to Champions League no matter what. Um, I think the downside to some of the players that play on the team, however, is like to mention one, I think that's a downside for Neymar because, you know, Neymar had just come back, and it's like he's never on the field, really. So I think that's kind of, you know, bad for him because he just got back into the swing of things. They had just won um, – a pretty interesting Champions League series, you know, against Dortmund and everything like that. Um, you know, so the players were getting back on the field and uh, they were in a good spot. But obviously, you know, some of those teams that are competing for Champions League, um, like Lyon or, you know, other teams like that that are up there at the top that, you know, really affects them because they're not going to win the league. So, you know, this is the hardest time for them because this was the last couple of weeks where they had time to fight for their spot and what they could do next season. Yeah, that last time we saw Neymar, he, we watched him uh, take down Dorman. He scored a goal on his bir- on his sister's birthday. Remember right. that? That's yeah. huge. It was huge. I think that was a lot, that might have been the last time we watched live football, all three of us together. Um, yeah. And it was uh, it was a good time. But let's you know, League One's canceled, but that's that's kind of right now given PSG. They're declared the champions with 68 points. This is their third straight title. Uh, Marseille, Rennes will go to the Champions League. And as we've kind of talked about already, Lyon, they will not qualify for the Champions League next year. But their president, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, Jean-Michel Alois, he wants the league to restart training and, and pick up where it left off um, next week and get things back going, even though the season has already been canceled. So kind of as a follow-up question, do you uh, restart League One? I'll let you go first, Miller. I'm interested to see what you say. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, you know, obviously there's controversy, and I just kind of highlighted a bunch of stuff that I thought about it. But I, I think that the biggest thing is I try to be the difference maker, try to be, you know, somebody that stands out and, you know, you are precautious. So, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to get sick at some point and, you know, things are going to happen. But, I mean, you never know. It's a weird place, the world. Um so, I mean, I guess we'll see. But at the same time, I think it's right to start training again because I think, you know, obviously the players need to be in shape and the team needs to play together because it's going to be a quick turnaround when the leagues do come back in the fall or, you know, after Champions League and after, you know, the, uh, the end of this season, which is going to come pretty soon. It's going to be a quick turnaround in the fall, I believe. So I think that, you know, obviously the players are going to, you know, want to continue their careers and they're going to have to go different places. And, you know, it's a, it's a business. So you have to keep the business going just like anywhere else. And I think that, you know, obviously they should keep practicing, keep doing what they're doing. But I think that they should kind of just leave things put and don't go back on what you did. Yeah. No, I think Miller put it perfectly. But what interests me the, interests me the most about this all is Lyon the team who is barely out of the Champions League is the one who's complaining the most. I don't hear the team as much, the bottom team, you know, the ones who are in relegation, because we're going to see, as a result of everything, we're going to see a promotion, from what I read, from the League Two teams, uh, from the first and second. And I don't see the bottom teams, you know, the ones that are suffering the most out of this, 
complaining about it. Now they were kind of deep in the hole, and I understand that point, but you would think they would be the team that would be the most vocal about it. You know, the team, like, like Lyon's president, t- took the stand and, you know, made his comments. But, I mean, I agree with Miller. I mean, there is just no way you can go back from your decision, you know. That, that first shows kind of – I don't know if he cares about this, but weakness as a president, you know. You don't have control. You have one team who complained the most, and you're going to revert just because of their decision. And, you know, think about the players also, too, already. You know, they they already got told, hey, the season's over. You know, all of them are probably relaxing now. I mean, you've probably seen the Instagram of Neymar. He's already, you know, partying with someone else, as, as usual, as Neymar does. And you can't just tell those players, oh, yeah, you have to get fit. You got to get fit and ready by next week because one team already said, oh, we have to play again. Like, that's just not the way things are going to work. So, at the end of the day, Lyon president, I know he's mad about Champions League, but, I mean, it's not like they were going to win it either way, you know. Yeah, and I think it would look bad if they ended up restarting the league and then they, the player, their players or coaches that got sick and then they had to shut it down. Like, if you, you already had shut down, you canceled your league already. So that would look even worse if you already went back on your first decision that you made and then that decision that you just made ended up being worse altogether and you had players that are sick and then you have to shut it down again. So I would agree with all with both of you that it it it's just it's kind of hard to restart everything and and not every every team's not every team is going to be happy like Leon in this case um, it's just kind of the situation that everyone's in unfortunately um, so with that being said uh, there is a couple of trophies that were given out in League One Kylian Mbappe he won the Golden Boot in League One uh, I mean he and Wissam Ben Yedder were tied with 18 league goals and but the reason that Mbappe won was because he had more goals in open play than Ben Yedder. Ben Yedder I believe had three goals off penalties and so that was sort of the technicality that gave Mbappe the the golden boot and the award although Mbappe did tweet out that he said Wissam should uh, get a trophy as well. I don't know if he means to share it with him but um, both players had a great performance, but would you agree that was a fair technicality to award Mbappe the, uh, the golden boot? For me, um, I, I read into it, you know, because I um, – over Twitter, you know, you see things over Twitter, people be uh, – they beef over these kind of stuff, and I, I was reading into it because I saw it was trending. And I was looking at the tiebreakers, and regardless if the season ended regularly or, or, or the way it did, it would have the same t- tiebreakers, you know. And, you know, they made a decision to end the season. So, I mean, you're going to go by the tiebreakers. You're not going to, you know, go by something else. And I understand, you know, that tie is brutal for Ben Yedder. But at the end of the day, you got to go with what's in the state. And, that, and that's the rule. I mean, if you look at the stats, too, it said um, – I don't know specifics because I saw this – it was like a week ago. But it was like Vape scored every 90-something minute and Yedder did every 120 minutes, something like that. That's that line. And it kind of showed that, you know, Mape, you know, like you mentioned, scored more open goals, scored more, uh, more frequently for his team in, in a big situation. So, I mean, I understand why they gave him the war, but also you got to recognize, you know, what a season it was for Ben Yedder, and you got to applaud um, Mape for, you know, his classy, you know, show on Twitter, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough spot, obviously, but I think that – 
you know, like you said, an open play, the difference there and uh, penalties and everything like that. I mean, I can't sit here and say I know exactly what penalties he scored and how they got to the spot. But, I mean, it could very well mean, you know, another player on the team was fouled in the box and then they elected that he would take it. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, his own work doing it. So I could see how that technicality would be, you know, make more sense than anything else. Um, But I think it all comes down to as well as just like in the long run sort of a thing. It's where you got to look at the, both of their players' careers. Obviously, Wisdom Benyatter is very good, and he's a very underrated player. Not a whole lot of people know about him, but he does put up numbers every single season. Um, and he's a filthy FIFA card if you play FIFA. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, every the card, I, every everything FIFA I see is uh, <laughs> Benyatter got me again. <laughs> yeah. He is unreal, but um, the biggest thing I think is the long run of the players' careers because obviously um, even now it's being talked about more than, than it was before, but obviously Killian is is very young and has a really, really bright future ahead of him. He could be one of the best to ever do it, and this is going to go down as you know one of those things where you look at their stat lines of how many trophies players have won and stuff like that. So when you have the Cristianos and the Messi's of the world where they compare to each other, this will just be another number that Killian can put up there to show that his greatness instead of you know losing it to Ben Yedder, who probably will never be in a conversation for greatest or anything like that. So yeah, no, but nevertheless, both both players with exceptional seasons for their clubs uh, but that was sort of the review the over overview of league one and let's move on to Bundesliga because this was the first league that your major European soccer league that returned uh, on May 16th got um, you know a fair share of, of praise as well as some criticism you know whether that was may have been too early but uh, so far when you look at this table that um, I've pulled up here Bayern Munich with a seven-point lead in first place uh, ahead of Dortmund. Uh, Bayern in first, Dortmund in second, Leverkusen in in third, Leipzig in fourth. Remember, at the beginning of this year, we thought Leipzig would, you know, be kind of the team that would upset Bayern, but now they're undergoing some trouble in their own domestic league. Uh, Mönchengladbach in fifth. But uh, just so far, we've been, I believe, about Two weeks, two and a half weeks in so far, and what do you make of this table? And what do you make of uh, of uh, of these teams that are are kind of making a, a late season push here? For me, I mean, I think when you see this table, I think a lot of us who are you know big soccer fanatics already are, are not surprised to see the top two teams there. Um, <laughs> you have Bayern, who has that nice cushion now. I mean. I think Miller's been the guy this year who's been drumming their beat to do pretty well in Champions League and pick it up and got to credit Miller for that. Uh, But at the same time, I think the team I want to highlight in this table right now is the team that you mentioned, you know, while you're introducing this topic, is RB Leipzig. Because this is a team we talked about and we said, this is a sneaky team that can actually do really well in this league. And obviously when the league started back, this was a team I wanted to watch their game. So I decided to, each time they're playing, I'll, I'll watch them. And the other day they, they had a 2-2 draw and it looked like one of the ugliest games I've ever seen from a team. And I, I, was, I, was, I was like, how did that team, is the same team that we saw in the start of the season, you know? And I'm worried because, I mean, you look at Timo Warner. Timo Warner already has heavy links to leave. And he's the, he's the, he's the main threat. You have a, 
I always butcher his name, so I'm sorry for everyone. But Upe Camino, he uh, yeah. he he's already linked out, and I think he's their best defender by far. And he just the way he plays just transforms that Leipzig team. You take away those two players, I don't think they have the money or you know with the situation right now to be able to adjust and kind of um, you know bring players back. So this Leipzig team who's stuck in fourth, they need to they need to perform because if not, I think next year's going to be even worse for them. So if they want to at least bring players in, you got to be high on the table, make Champions League, and say, "Hey, we lost our two best players, but we're still going to bring players in. Uh, we still we still got Champions League. We can bring you in, and you can be that our team or one, or you can be our Ubicamina." Yeah, I, I think that's something that you're poking at a little bit that I I want to touch on. Um, I think the biggest thing um, that affected this Leipzig team was obviously, you know, Gareth, you you prefaced it when you asked the question to us, but. Um, Leipzig was, you know, going to be the team that really gave Bayern some trouble this season. And, and early on, they looked like that. And they, they're doing really good in Champions League and everything like that. But the thing is, is obviously when you look at Bayern and you look at Dortmund and you look at Leipzig, Leipzig is by far the shallowest team in terms of the depth that they have on that's going to be ready to go. So the biggest thing for teams like Bayern and stuff like that is, you know, you're trying to play your best players all the time. Um, and, you know, when your best players get hurt, you know, you put in some other players that haven't really meshed with the team as well and things like that. Obviously, they did that with Alfonso Davies, and now he's playing like he's one of the best left backs in the world, and he's like 19 years old. So that's nuts. But um, obviously, you know, if, if Lewandowski doesn't play or if, you know, Coleman's out a lot due to injury, Serge Gnabry was out for a little bit earlier in the season, you have to bring in some of the other guys. Thomas Mueller's been there for a long time, but you have to bring in some of the younger guys with less experience that don't have as much bonding with the team um, over the course of the season. Whereas when everybody got to take this break, everybody got to get healthy, everybody got to come back. And so that's when those players were like, okay, we're ready to go. And we see where we're at on the table. Now let's go assert our dominance because we've had a month off. So Byron, you're seeing Byron kind of separate themselves a little bit from Leipzig and things like that. And, and Dortmund, too. When Dor Dortmund's come out and played, they, they've looked pretty, you know, they've looked pretty all right. Obviously, when they played the, uh, the Byron game, it was a close game. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're never going to be as good as Byron, in my opinion, just because, you know, they don't have the money and, and the history to back it up. But um, I think the biggest thing here, really, when you look at the table – is in between Leipzig and I'm going to pronounce this wrong because the fifth place team, their name's like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, is it Munchen Gladbach? Munchen Gladbach. Yeah, yeah, but I know there's some other way to pronounce Munchen it. Munchen Gladbach. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but the, the, the easy the, way. When, when you look at those two teams, they're two points apart from fourth and fifth place. And then it's a drop-off from fifth to sixth because Wolfsburg is 11 points behind fifth place. So really and truly, it's going to be those that four and five spot, I think, is going to be what's really interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks and whether Leipzig can hang on to that. Yeah, that's going to be a, a spot of interest. And I know we, you guys both touched upon Bayern, and I think we'll get into the Bayern uh, Dortmund, the, their classicer, the the reaction just a bit. But we all mentioned Timo Werner. He's kind of the the name that's arguably being linked around the most in transfer rumors. Well, you got Sancho, of course, and a lot of others. But Timo Werner is a heavily sought uh, striker, and 
So there's been a ton of rumors that, you know, we'll go to Liverpool, Manchester United, Barcelona. Um, where would you want to see him go? Or just perhaps where do you think he will go uh, in this in this case? Because, I mean, at some point, this guy is uh, going to get a, a big deal from a big club. I know Miller brought up a good team, so I'll let him talk about it first. I don't want to take a spotlight from this answer. Oh, no, I'm going to choose something else. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Wow, I see you. Well, oh, cat and mouse here. I know. I thought he was going to go with the one we talked about before the show, but he uh, he snuck it on me. But uh, when when you're talking about Timo Warner, I mean, the way he plays is, I think when he when he's at his best, he's one of the best attackers in the world at all times. And I look at a team like, and they've been linked a lot, so this is kind of the easy answer, but it's a team like Liverpool where he can slot in. He can fit that style of play where I'm not worried about how he would play in Premier League because he kind of plays not exactly the way Liverpool does because, I mean, he doesn't have his Sadio Mane to, you know, carry that ball up. And, you know, that, you know, that Sadio Mane who's underappreciated of that team. But if, if he has someone like that that takes off the pressure from him and allows him to stay in that middle and kind of get his positioning and get his way, he's, I think he's going to do excellent. So if you look at a team like Liverpool, and this is the big caveat, if they sell Bobby Firmino, because you don't – this Timo Warner, Timo Warner is not a bench player, in my opinion. You know, he's not a guy you're going to sit on the bench and he's going to come off and the, he's going to come on the 80-minute and make a great impact. You need to start him. You need to get him developed. And if this Liverpool – well, not develop. He's basically at, uh, nearing his prime. But if you sell Bobby Firmino and that open spot fills in, I think he fills, fills that spot for Liverpool very well. I'm going to go with a bit of an outside the box, and this is kind of a long shot. Um, but I could see him maybe going to Real Madrid because oh, interesting. when you look at Real Madrid, Benzema has been there for the last 100 years. <laughs> and um, I think that obviously a guy that's been linked to Real Madrid a lot is Harry Kane, but who knows if that's ever going to happen. Um, I could see Harry Kane more easily staying in England and going to a different team. Um, before I could see him probably going to Real Madrid, just because I don't think he's going to learn Spanish. His English is bad enough. But um, <laughs> uh, I think that I think that he would fit in really well there, um, because I think Real Madrid's going to have to change their playing style. Um, obviously, the players that they're bringing up from their youth and everything like that aren't necessarily faster players that can play on the wing, except for, you know, Vinicius Jr. is the future of that team if he can stay there. But I think you have a lot of questions on the right side, especially because Gareth Bale is eventually not going to be there anymore. Hazard hasn't really worked out because he's always overweight. And I just think that they're going to kind of move away from the three up top. So you don't necessarily need a big man in the middle. And they could play more counterattacking style because their strength has always been their defense. And Obviously, their defense is really, really good right now. And if they continue to invest in it, then I think that Warner would fit that team really well. And obviously, they have the money to do it. So, Wait, before you go, Gareth, I have a question about that Real Madrid one. Because it interests me. What You said they're going to change their, uh, the way of play, which I agree. I think right now, the way they play doesn't fit their, the players that they have. I think that's also kind of Barcelona's problem, too. But that's a different discussion. But don't you think someone like they would – you know, change their way for someone like Mape, you know, like the big link that, you know, Mape wants to play, or uh, Alon, obviously, and there's Sancho who wants to play for Madrid, those type of players. Do you think they would rather go for those players, or do you think they would actually go for someone like Timo Werner? That's a great point, and this is the reason I think this works, 
is because obviously there's been a market crash and everything due to the pandemic of the world. And Real Madrid just got spending 350 million euros last off season. Um, and obviously look how it's turned out. You know, they've made the splash moves and there's a lot, been a lot of splash moves over the years that haven't worked out. They've had guys for one, two years and they let them go because they ride the bench and they, they never play good for the team um, because they can't ever fit the squad. So I think that instead of spending all the money that Real Madrid has, obviously they know that there's a talent gap between them and Barcelona right now since Cristiano Ronaldo left and Gareth Bale is, um, you know, not really in the squad anymore. I think that they're going to choose to go for a guy like Timo Werner who would cost them a lot less but would still give them a high level of output so they could fill out the rest of their team with aging positions such as Modric and Tony Cruz and things like that where they need to address as well. Yeah, it would be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that experiment would go. Remember they, they signed uh, Luka Jovic, I believe, last summer, and that clearly has not worked out at all. Uh, all, all the news on of him is just bad news. Um, of him not working out. Uh, but that's another topic of conversation for another time. Uh, let's get into your reaction. Bayern versus Dortmund. It was a 1-0 victory for Munich at Signal Iduna Park. Joshua Kimmich, that was a nice chip goal. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. That was a nice chip. You can make a case that uh, Roman Berkey could have made that save there. Um, but your experience watching it, I know, Edwin, you, you can talk all you want about the, the crowd, the fake crowd noise, um, but also just how confident should Byron be considering they, they got this, this comfortable uh, – I, I don't know if I'd say comfortable, but it's a, it's a decent lead right now. And, uh, but they're basically just picking up where they left off. Um, before I talk about fake crowd noise, you know, I, I got a message from Miller during the game, and I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about what he said. Because he, he, he was a – he was passionate about what he said, and you know he mentioned it before this meeting. So, Miller, I want you to go first about this game. Okay, um, so I want to address a couple spots just from a spectator point as a player point, what I could see um, on the field. Obviously, Erling Haaland is a really good player. He's a really good young player, and he has a high, high ceiling, and I think he has a very low floor. That being said, in this game, I think his feet were on the floor. Um, he played really bad, I think, as a target man, which is what he's supposed to be. He's a taller guy. He's a bigger guy. Um, he has the playing style like that. I mean, obviously, he's really fast as well. Um, so, or at least for now, he is. I think when he gets up in age, obviously, that's going to be a different issue because he's, gonna, he's such a big guy. But I think playing that role of um, kind of what Dortmund need to do a little bit was what they would do is they play with all those midfielders and you need to pass the ball up to the striker and then he needs to release the pressure by finding the wings on the outside. Um, And when he got the ball, it seemed like he was confused and didn't really have the link with the team, what he needed to do. Um, So I think when when his back is turned to, to the goal, I don't think he's that great of a player yet. I think he has a lot of skills he needs to sharpen there. But in front of the goal, obviously we've seen, He's a clinical finisher and everything like that. It's just the, the matter of the fact is, is when you play teams like Dortmund, you're not going to be face up on goal every time. So he needs to diversify his game a little bit and things like that. Um, but also, like you mentioned, Gareth and, and Edwin, um, I don't think Berkey had that great of a game. I think that, that Bayern need to uh, – I don't think they should be satisfied with a 1-0 win because they, they beat Dortmund on what looks like a bad day. I mean, Jaden Sancho came on and – Mm-hmm. Did literally nothing. Um, I mean, there, there just wasn't a whole lot of quality there. Um, 
on the team. So I just I don't know. I don't know if Byron should be that proud of this game. No, I you know to that point, and I'll, I'll propose a question to both of you. But uh, to that point, it didn't seem like any of their playmakers made the difference in that game. It seemed like I heard more of uh, Akimi. You know, I've heard more Akimi during that game more than Sancho and Alan. And I think you know he's he's kind of an underrated guy of that squad. But I think that's a different discussion. But like you said, I don't think Bayern should be super happy with that game. You know, I saw a lot of the, you know, graphics and, like, you know, after the game, they're like, Bayern dominates this thing. And, I'm, and I see the previous score, 7-0, 5-0. And I'm like, those are the games that they should be proud of. This 1-0 when Berkey didn't look good, Alon did nothing like you spoke about, Sancho looked like he doesn't – he didn't belong in that pitch either. Like, those were their main, you know, their main stars in a sense, and they didn't show up and he only beat them 1-0. I think that's a little rough because, I mean, look at Davies. Davies had a pretty solid day. I mean, outrunning anyone, creating some space and everything. You had, you had uh, Coleman at times having nice runs and stuff like that. You, with those type of playmakers Byron have, you think they would just gotten more goals from a out of – it seemed like out-of-form Dortmund team, like you said. So, from that standpoint, Byron, happy with the result, but are you really happy with the way you played? I think that's a true question they got to ask themselves. But, I mean, I think they'll take it because, I mean, I don't think they're going to slip that much. I, I mean, I don't see them giving up the seven-point lead because that's how good of a team they are. But, I mean, talking about the game as a fan standpoint, it was um, – anyone uh, – this is kind of, you know, off-topic from the soccer standpoint. But when – the way they're broadcasting the game is a little interesting to me that in the sense that you uh, – I was watching the Spanish uh, uh, point of view just to see how different it is from the English now with, like, the way that they're doing it. And in the Spanish one, they have this kind of fan kind of view where they have, like, four people on a Zoom call talking trash to each other. I mean, you even had a little kid talking trash to a Dortmund fan. I'm like, that's what you're going to show? That's what I'm going to watch during the game is this little this little Bayern fan get, getting excited. But he, I'm pretty sure he dropped its cuss word during the game at the referee. I was like, that's what you're going to show during the game. That's a little questionable. Um, and also the fake uh, crowd noise was interesting because, like, when there was, like, a missed shot from um, from the home team, you heard, like, a, ooh, you know, like, that, that crowd noise, everyone's <laughs> reacting. I'm like, this just feels unreal. Like, I see, like, this stand and no one's doing it. And another interesting point, the last point I'll bring about this game was, you know, the way that the bench is set up in the Blues League is interesting now because if you watch it, the way that the players, like, are, they're sitting, like, in the stands, you know, where the fans usually sit, and they're, like, three seats away from each other. And it's just, like, really interesting when they show that bench. I'm like, that's really interesting to see the way, because, I mean, I forgot who got subbed out during the Bayern game, but they just looked like they were a fan at that point. They took off their cleats and just put the feet up in the chair. I'm like, this is the, this is the, so- the way soccer is going to be played now. So that's going to be interesting. But to propose a question about Alon, because I think that was a big topic about this game is, you, the last time we saw him, all three of us together, was the PSG game where he got completely shut out. You know, I think he had one good shot at goal, but that was easily saved. You had this Bayern game, which I, you know, obviously I think is the biggest game for Borussia every time it comes up in, in the Bundesliga. He seemed like he didn't do nothing. Does it worry you that in his last two big games, like his, you know, the games that he has to show up, you know, big players show up at big moments, he didn't show up. Does that worry you at all? And, you know, from a team like, Real Madrid, you know, those teams are going to spend a lot of money if they go out and buy him. Do you build around that kind of guy where you don't see him play as well against the big teams and you're a big team yourself who are going to play big people? Which one of you want to take it first? No, I guess you, I'll go, I'll go. And I guess you could say that 
it maybe a little concerns you that there's been a lack of lack of consistency and you know you want you want those top players to have uh you know strong performances but even if they don't even get on the score sheet to try and just make a difference in some way in some form against those top clubs and that's what separates really those the top five players in the world from kind of the you know the rest of the tier but i think at the end of the day he's still really young and i think he's still figuring it out i mean we i think what he's only you know a couple months into his tenure at dortmund and i think there's still you know quite a, a learning curve and it's very there's a lot of pressure and i think that pressure is can be unfair at times for him but you know, I think once he gets older, I think he'll be able to handle handle a little bit better um, because he is such a, a great talent. And we've seen that he can uh, display it against against teams. I mean, he can score some bangers, I mean, without a doubt. Uh, just, you just got to give it time for him to really just make that a little bit more uh, consistent of a performance. Um, but, I mean, you would definitely like to see more consistency, but I don't think you can get too riled up about it at this stage right now in, um, in his play. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that uh, what this conversation boils down to is just um, we talked about um, a while when we were actually in the studio before you know everything happened um, at the start of the semester. We talked about his move, um, or rather his his choice to to go to Dortmund, and you know we said you know he was linked to teams like United and there's you know all these other teams that are world-class teams that are calling his name right now but that I think that um the decision that he made to stay or not to stay rather but you know just to be a Dortmund is probably gonna end up benefiting him more than people would have thought because these are the games where obviously he doesn't have that experience yet you know he hasn't faced that kind of adversity and you know now we're seeing it live um, after he's faced some of the biggest teams in the world. Um, so, I mean, I think it's probably a good thing that, you know, you mentioned the learning curve and everything like that. So it's good to be at a mid-tier level team right now. I mean, not really mid-tier, but you know what I mean. They're, they're at the top, but they're not the, the 1% that floats at the, at the top every year. Um, but obviously, you know, he gets to play the quality games. He gets to play in a competitive league, and he gets to see – you know, the faces of Bayern and stuff like that when he can, and he'll get to be in the Champions League. And so he can experience that now and hopefully, you know, progress and get better before he goes to another team like that where they don't have to have the question mark of, you know, can he play all the time or is it just match the little teams? Before we talk uh, Premier League, I just want to get your reaction. How do you like those uh, goal celebrations? Huh? Little elbows right and the the fist bumps and uh i i don't think that there's too many dapping ups or or hugs really it's it's just a quick uh i think i i saw the highlights of the when leipzig just crushed i believe mines and Olsen and werner they just sent boom boom like this quick or, or even elbows with the shaking hands uh <laughs> what's your reaction to that it's the new normal, you know, it's, it's got to be the adjustment. I, I don't think you want to show on TV dapping up or stuff like that because it's going to make League One look smart, especially if someone gets sick after after one of those celebrations. But at the end of the day, it's the new normal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it kind of shows um, what energy fans re really bring to the sport. You know what I mean? I, I think that obviously if these players had 50,000 fans in the stadium, you know, cheering for you know when they score and they're up and down with every pass and every shot then I think it would be a little bit different obviously 
Um, but I think it just kind of shows the awareness of the players and the time we're at now. So. For sure. And I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the new, new normal with the no, no handshakes, elbows and the fake crowd noise. Although honestly, I'm, I, I'd be fine just hearing the, the players in their communication and just have no, no crowd noise and just kind of hear what they communicating. If they're saying like, get back, get back, or, you know, in their language, I'd be kind of interesting. If only I could speak or understand like German and all those languages. I'm still trying to figure out Spanish at this time. Uh, and, but and watch the Bundesliga game and watch one of the games. <laughs> hey, hey, well, uh, we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, Premier League. Let's let's talk about that. June 17th um, is the provisional start date. Um, and I think they are still having to go through some health and safety regulations to kind of officially confirm that. But I think um, it, all indications are pointing to that the Prem will be back in mid-June, which will be uh, definitely a, a, a great sight to see. Um, no fans, of course, uh, but they do plan on televising the remaining 92 matches in the UK. Uh, some of the other notable points is that there'll be new kickoff windows, so they're going to try and spread it out across a weekend and make sure that you know they get the, the viewership to, and, and not really kind of clump all those games into one. And the plan is really to finish the season before August so that they can have the the FA Cup final basically a week after. Um, so with that being said, it, this is really going to be the the summer uh, of football. Um, and just, you know, they, they kind of went through all these coronavirus tests of players at first who were expressing a lot of doubt. But, you know, a total of 100 days uh, were passed. And I believe this is when, one of the articles and, and maybe the Telegraph or so. But after three rounds of testing, it was only 12 positive cases out of 2,752 people. So, so far, that that's, was enough to kind of get them to say, okay, maybe we can run with this. But the Prem, it's, it's, it's returning. It's, you know, if we were talking about League One, and I, if I, personally, if I thought a league was going to be canceled, it, I thought it would be the Premier League because every time we get a new round of tests, there seems to be, uh, you know, a, still a number of COVID cases, you know. I'm not saying that, that, would, no, that they should be canceled or not. But this, this is the league where I don't know if it's because, you know, they're covering it the most or they're doing the most testing, you know, that, that probably goes into it. But this is the league that's, you know, you, you see a lot of rounds of testing. They're taking their time, which I think is smart. But it's interesting that they're still going through with it with Liverpool's having such a big lead for the, the Cup. But at the same time, that Champions League spot is very important, especially, the you know, the Man City situation, how they're not going to be able to go Champions League. So at that same time, you know, I think it's very important for them to run it. And I, another thing I want to, you know, uh, point about before I give it to, I'll give it off to Miller is they're the only league I've seen so far that's talked about the domestic cup. When when we talk about the league returning, a lot of people are focusing on, hey, we got to finish the league, we got to finish the league, we got to finish the league. Premier League's taking that step, saying, hey, we got to finish the league, but also give enough time to finish our, our domestic cup. Which I get, uh, which I, I find it interesting in that standpoint that a lot of these teams, you know, that they might not be doing as good in the, you know, in the in the Premier League, but they still have a shot at the domestic cup. So it still gives those, you know, teams the uh, ability to get that uh, FA Cup. So I mean, I give props to the Premier League and what they're doing. I mean, I think we're going to see another round of the test. We'll see how that goes again before we even start. Like you said, they're taking all safety procedures. So. 
But I think, to be honest, I think this is the league that's been handling it the best, at least from what I've seen in the media standpoint. Yeah, Edwin, I think you covered that really well. So I'm not um, really going to spend too much time on, you know, what I think. I, I'd rather pose a question to you guys and something that I think is important also in this conversation. Um, so obviously, uh, I hope you guys saw what Troy Deeney said earlier this week. <laughs> I did. I say it to everybody that's going to listen to this. But Troy Deeney said, and I quote, um, on the Premier League season, no matter how it plays out, even if we play all – the games it's still going to be spoiled um, or it's going to be the year spoiled by the pandemic rather and it's not going to be the year that Liverpool won the league by being the best team so what are you guys thoughts on that I'll let you go first Garrett because I think there's some interesting things about Troy Dean I'm pulling up the quotes right now yeah uh, I, I think that's a little bit of a ignorant statement personally just uh, I mean Look, I mean, you can make all the the case that the pandemic is going to taint any sports competition, right? It's just like, that's just kind of the easy way out to really say, oh, yeah, I mean, Liverpool won, but, you know, did it, you know, it's, everything got changed and, and maybe not as deserving. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to consider that this is, everyone's in the same boat here. Uh, everyone's kind of dealing with the same thing. And, and, that, and if you just take away the pandemic, Liverpool was – the, the best team for that really that first half eight straight up dominated and just whooped all the other premier league teams. And yes, we, they had a little bit of some struggles in the, in the champions league when they got knocked out by Atletico Madrid. And remember we were watching the Watford game where they Watford took them down as well, but you still can't ignore the 82 points and this uh, lead that they have uh, 82 points, Manchester city has 57. I mean, I, I'd say it's a pretty ignorant statement from, from Dini and, and I don't know if it's just because his, his team's at the, at the bottom of the table or it's just, uh, just a way to kind of make some headlines. But uh, I don't know what you have to say about this, Edwin, but I, not, a big, not a biggest fan. I agree with you, especially when you look at Wofford. I'm not, I'm not here to roast them, and I'm not here to say that they're a bad club. But Dini is basically their captain. Dini is the person that – I've seen the most jerseys of. You know, he's that guy, when you think of Watford, at least for me personally, it's Didi. At least that's what comes to mind to me. So when you're making these kind of statements, you're kind of representing the club in a way. You know, like any any player, any athlete, when you say a comment, you're kind of, you're, you're representing the club. So saying that, I feel like it's, it's showing ignorance. It's showing, you know, a lack of responsibility and lack of maturity from him. And I mean, I think you covered it very well, Gareth, but I mean, he's been – I don't know if you saw the response from, you know, what he said, but uh, the the quote he said to CNN was uh, people are telling uh, that he uh, – people are telling him that they hope his son gets coronavirus and, like, people are abusing him now in the comments and stuff like that. And that just shows that in the Premier League, especially with such – I think such loyal fan bases, you got to be careful what you say. Anything, anything you say against any other team – is going to go against you hard and you got to realize things are going to come back at you. You got to, you got to, got to stand forth and think, is this really what I, what I want to say? And I think what I, I agree with Gareth is that was like an ignorant and irresponsible thing to say, but I think it's also him frustrated with his own club, you know, in, in his own situation a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's kind of get into, I, I know this is a question that was talked about, for 
for months during this kind of coronavirus pandemic and just if the season got canceled would they still give Liverpool the title and everything I think Rio Ferdinand uh you know very outspoken uh on on Sky Sports and all those networks but I think he was mentioning that in that they shouldn't give Liverpool the title if they if they canceled the season because it wasn't really a full season and technically Manchester City had a chance to get the win it all very very slim odds obviously but I mean very it's a hypothetical question but if they had canceled the season do you you're you're the you're the Premier League you're you're the head officials and everything do you declare Liverpool the winners or do you declare the season null and void you see for me this was an interesting thing because in my head I understand where you where you would want to avoid the competition but at the same time you look at what they did this season it's not an easy thing to do you know it's not they've worked hard they've built this league they've you know done this all and I don't know exactly the stat and maybe one of you two know but they're literally I think like a few games away from clinching it it was it was not too much it was like think a few points and a few games away from clinching it and in that standpoint with that big of a lead and what they did this season I I tend to lean toward this uh side where they 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 earned it you know they were that close to getting it especially if you see someone like PSG you know got crowned champions I mean you saw what Liverpool did Liverpool did what they did is more impressive than PSG and PSG got their trophy so if I'm a Liverpool fan I'll say look at what they did but to be fair I see the other side where we've seen big slip-ups. We've seen where teams have fallen. And I don't think this Liverpool team would have done it, but I understand the standpoint where, you know, the league is still there to play. You know, Liverpool could go on a very bad streak and, you know, have one of the most horrific crashes. But that's obviously a big hypothetical. So I see where people are against it. And I see because the Premier League, there's good competition. We saw Wofford, you know, took it to them. You know, any team can. West Ham almost gave them a great game. And it showed that, you know, they were a beatable team. But at the same time, you can't credit what they did this season and how good they were. That would be my pivotal point is um, obviously, you know, like you said, this is something that, you know, is an incredible feat. And, you know, they're going to be maybe regarded as one of the best Premier League teams, you know, in history just because of, you know, how they played and how unbeatable they were to start the season and then the, even in the middle of the season. But the thing is – Excuse me. Um, I think that the interesting thing is, obviously, like we talked about the last couple games we watched where they got beat by Atletico, they got beat by Watford, they had a really close game against West Ham. That's kind of the turning point where I see the argument is because before those games, if you were to say, let's stop it there, I would say, okay, yeah, because they're not going to be beat. But after we've seen them get beat, we've seen them slow down, and we've seen them get dismantled a couple times in a row, almost like they're running out of gas. That's where I think that the argument kind of turns in on itself to where it's like, okay, now we have to sit here and actually say, you know, it could happen. This team isn't, you know, I mean, they're not untouchable. So that's that's kind of where the argument comes in and everything. So I think before that – you would have given Liverpool the trophy no matter what. But then after seeing those games and seeing what happened before, you know, everybody took a break, I think it's more of a question that opened up. Yeah, it's, it's a definitely, a, it would have been a hot topic of discussion, but that does, that seems like it won't be the case anymore. Now that the premier league will return uh, the first fixtures that will be played Manchester city versus Arsenal and Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. Those will be, First matches to be played, and yes, the I mean, barring some really 
massive slip up from Liverpool. They're gonna gonna win the title. But those, you know, three, four, five, six, seven spots. Uh, if you look at the table here, Chelsea in fourth with 48 points, Manchester United 45 in fifth place, Wolves in sixth with 43, Sheffield United in seventh with 43, Tottenham with 41. Those there's a lot of lot of uh, variables that could happen, and so this should make for a really exciting finish uh, to the season. Um, before uh, we start to wrap up the show, let's touch upon the Serie A real quick because they also announced uh, that they'll be getting the green light to play on June 20th from the sports minister, Vincenzo Spadafora. Um, so that's, you know, again, the, the, the one of the last uh, European soccer leagues to finally finalize their plans to returning. Um, and that's another league that has another interesting race because Juventus is not really in a commanding spot. They're only in the lead uh, in first place by one point. Lazio is right on their heels in second at 62 points. So that is a, should be a pretty good um, race for that one and two spot. Uh, Inter Milan in third, but with 54, and then Atalanta in fourth with 48. So really, it's just kind of at this point determining who will win Serie A. But um, Juventus has had their, you know, their run of issues as well. So this should be, uh, I don't know what you guys would have to say, but Juventus and Lazio, those two teams are going at it. Yeah, I mean, this is a league, in my opinion, you can't cancel. There's just there's no way that they were, were going to cancel this league, with, especially with one point. Like, if they, if they somehow said Serie A was done, I think a lot of devastation would happen, a lot of controversy, a lot more would happen than you were saying with League, league One because of how close the situation is, you know? Um, I haven't seen, uh, to be honest with you, before um, even yesterday, I haven't seen the table in a while. And it, it, it kind of reminded me that Juventus has not been the dominating team that we expected in the league. Because, you know, it's not like this league is, you know, easy. But this is usually one Juventus usually comfortably wins in first place. And then the peop- and the teams that are fighting are the two, three, four spots, which are very interesting. So, I mean, I'm excited to see the finish. But if anything... If anything I've learned from Bundesliga is that if Juventus can pick up, uh, you know, their form and, you know, the talent they have, like the way that Bayern has in the Bundesliga, then I think Juventus should be, not easily, but they should be able to wrap this up pretty comfortably. And I'm excited to see the way Inter is because a lot of links are coming with Inter. A lot of their players, you know, were uh, loan players. Lutaro Martinez is getting uh, linked to move to Barcelona. They seem like they're going to buy Cavani as a rumor uh, is a link. So this, I think this inter team has a lot to play for out of, out of a lot of these teams and they're a game behind. And if they win, they're on 57 points, which is only six points behind Juventus and they can make a good fight and, you know, a good finish. So they're, they're one of those teams I'm going to highlight um, when this, uh, uh, when this whole thing comes back. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think that, uh, the biggest thing about Juventus is obviously they have a lot of good players and they're the most talented squad far and away in this league. But um, even like we saw last year in the Champions League, um, this team doesn't really have a whole lot of chemistry and they don't, they haven't really ever found an identity with Cristiano Ronaldo yet. Um, obviously, you know, guys like Quadrado and Dybala are in and out of the squad. I mean, DeLitt's been there a little bit and he's already linked to move away again which is really weird. Um, I, I mean, they're, they're, Pjanic is supposedly supposed to be on the way out as well. I mean, 
Matuidi's in and out of the squad. I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot of question marks on this team and they haven't really been um, in any form of consistency this year um, in the Champions League or in this league, um, which I think is really interesting because also there's other teams that uh, are kind of having the same issues that are also pretty talented. Mm. Like you said, Inter Milan was up there and they were fighting for the one spot with uh, Juventus for a long time. And, you know, they dropped down a little bit and they're not doing as great now. And also another team I want to point out that's in the Champions League now is Napoli. And they have a really talented squad and they're in the sixth spot on the table. And they're they're pretty far away. So I the thing is, I think that obviously there was a lot of games, like you said, that needed to be played. And I think that the biggest thing is going to be for Lazio. I think they are going to, in fact, probably go down um, just because they still have games to play against Napoli and Juve and stuff like that in the future. So I don't think that they're going to end up being number one. I think obviously Juventus is probably going to run away with it. But I, I'll be interested to see how the bottom of those uh, – uh, three to four spots shake out on the table and who's really going to make it. Yeah, it should be, you know, those those two will fight it out. The, they're scheduled to resume Coppa Italia as well. Uh, semifinals to be held June 13th. And you, they just finished the, or I wouldn't say they just finished, but the first leg has already been completed. Uh, Inter and Napoli, Napoli's up by a goal and, and Milan and AC Milan and Juventus are tied at one. So it, should be, I mean, another one of those cups that could mean a lot for teams like Napoli that are down in the, or, you know, they're sixth in the table and uh, they've had a really rocky season, uh, but like with uh, Ancelotti being stacked, but the Copa Italia would mean something. All right, but uh, before we wrap this whole podcast up, uh, Edwin Perez, it's, uh, it's time for Time for the spotlight to shine on you because uh, we bring back the Edwin segment as usual. Just we don't even have a title. We don't even have a. We just call it the Edwin segment. Yeah, we don't have any music yet for it or anything, but we will in the future. I'm just saying, I'll work on it. Say less. But um, something you know, (laughs) I've been watching. You know, I think Gareth's favorite show, ESPN FC, and I've been seeing you know what they've been up to during this time. And uh, something that they always get asked about is a would you rather question. Would you rather have this player? Or this player, this or this. So I'm going to ask you a set of questions, and it's going to be, would you rather this or this? And I'm just interested. I'm curious to see where your mind's at. I mean, if you want to explain it, you can. If you don't want to, I understand. I'll, I, you know, I'm not going to hate on you guys. But, you know, two players we already mentioned already in this episode is Jordan Sancho or Alon. Who's a player you want to build around? Hmm. I thrive on going second, so I'm gonna let Gareth go first. Uh, I'll go with Sancho. Okay. I think he. I think he's probably a little bit more of a sure thing than mm-hmm. than Holland right now. But that's a tough choice, man. Both are real talented. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Holland because I think that it's more difficult to be successful as a winger than the odds of him being successful as a striker because obviously you know wingers can move from league to league and they've had issues one that I named earlier is obviously Hazard's had issues but I mean you see guys move to the Premier League um some guys never play Alexis Sanchez went to Man United never played I mean there's guys that are talented and it's just it's tough to fit in a team as a winger because sometimes you know, teams don't use them that much, but there's a striker on every team, and every team needs a goal scorer. 
So I think that obviously Halan's frame and his the athletic ability so far would probably be more attractive to me as an owner. So I would take Halan. All right, now solid answers. I mean, I would, I would personally choose Halan, but I'm not going to go into it. Now we're going to go with someone who's been under the headlines recently, Alfonso Davies. You know, great young talent, but also you have. Liverpool right back and some would say one of the best in the game Trent Alexis Arnold which one would you prefer to build around I'll go first this time Gareth okay um I think I know you're gonna pick personally I would go Davies Okay, you like the speed? You like the speed aspect of it? Um, just just because, yeah, obviously you've seen what what he can bring to a team like Bayern. Um, he he can help in – both players can help in the attack, but I think that playing on a counterattack and also recovering as a defender, I think, I think Davies is a better defender, in my opinion, um, than Alexander-Arnold uh, because there's a big debate actually going on right now on Twitter – about whether you'd have Alexander Arnold or whether you'd have Aaron Juan Bissaka. And a lot of people are saying Juan Bissaka is a way better defender, which I agree. But that's the thing is I would give Davies a slight um, a slight nudge in that direction because I think that he's a bit of a better defender. And obviously, you know, we talked about the speed, but Alexander Arnold is very, very good passing the ball and on set pieces. So it really just kind of depends on what your team needs. Yeah, I think – I think I'll go Davies on this one just because he's – I think he's got a lot of high upside, and I think Alexander-Arnold is uh, – he's kind of already – I feel like he's one of those guys he's in on – he's in this, is in a system that works real well, so it, it works to his benefit. But I think if Davies could really move around on any team and really shine because he's got that – just he's so fast, and I think he can really recover real well. So um, – and it could be just – just from an upside and just ceiling standpoint that I, he may, I think Davy still has some potential that hasn't been uh, tapped into yet. So. Yeah. And he was an emergency signing from the MLS. That's just insane. Who's in a better spot. You don't have to explain this one too much. I just found this one interesting. I was thinking about it the other day, Newcastle with their new owner that has a lot of money and, for, and has said they will buy a lot of players or Tottenham Hotspurs who has a Harry Kane, who seems like, he might stick. You have, you have Son, who's a pretty good player, and they got a pretty good team there. But they don't like to spend a lot of money. So who's in the better spot right now in the Premier League? Newcastle or Tottenham? Well, the future, at least. It's a little bit of a tougher one. <laughs> it is. Okay, I I'll go first again. I I think that uh, I think that it's Newcastle because um, obviously, as we've seen, Tottenham's sort of on the way down. Um, I mean, they're probably going to end up selling their best player at some point. Harry Kane's probably going to be out the door. I would say sooner rather than later. Um, but the thing is that Tottenham went from the biggest stage on the in the world to you know. They're like sixth. <laughs> I mean, um, so I mean, you know, you, you lost the Champions League final. What are you doing now? You're doing nothing. Um, obviously, they sacked one of the best managers in the world as well. Um, and the thing is, is I think that that a team like Tottenham, obviously, 
I sometimes I've, I've talked about it. I kind of talk you guys year off about it is that they're one of those teams that they're kind of like Ajax, which they've been a good team in the past, but they really, they had guys like Gareth Bale. They had Luka Modric. They had so many guys on their team um, that they built up and they sold to get to where they are now, or at least the champions league final where they were. And now they're on the way back down. So they're starting a long process over again. Whereas Newcastle has learned, um, in the recent history, um, in the recent past, that they know what it takes to be in the Premier League, but they also know what it takes to be in the championship as well. And they've had the lower players. So I think that, obviously, with the money coming in, that's a massive boost for this offseason. There's a lot of players that, you know, don't really have a destination in mind. So, you know, money's always attractive. So I, I think that they're in a good spot, and they could really go nowhere but up. Yeah, I think I might have to agree on this one and just say Newcastle because uh, they just – here's the thing. I don't know. Like, the whole the whole Mourinho experiment has been interesting. I know that's a very repetitive word we like to say, but that's really what it's been. And I, I really can't see – I don't know if there are stars like Kane or Son will stay around for the long term. So if, we're, if you're really thinking of it from a long-term standpoint um, – and I'm not just agreeing just to agree, but just from – you know, if they got that money and they got a really good talent in, in St. Maximine, I know Miller's a big fan of what he has to offer on the wing there. So if you can really build around a guy like him and they have, you know, a couple of decent, decent stars there and um, decent players. So that's a team that has a little bit more of a, of a potential and future than a team like, like Spurs, where I think they've maybe, they've probably hit their peak already. And it just doesn't seem like it, it you know, and this season we've seen they've been in the headlines a lot for, you know, mostly turbulent reasons. So I I would probably have to say Newcastle uh, just just on because it looks like they have a better idea of where they're kind of trying to go. Interesting. Okay, this last few my uh, I only have a little, little bit more, and uh, this one might be a conversation for uh, next week. So don't worry if you don't go into it. Which one's the better signing for Barcelona, Lutaro Martinez or Piani? What was the second one? Yeah, uh, Pijanic. Oh, oh, the Juve? Yeah, Juve, midfielder. Uh, I'd probably, I'll go first. I'll say Lataro. Lataro. Okay, what about you, Miller? Uh, he's a, he's a, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, he's a young talent, and I think that with Suarez and the injuries, he's not going to be there for very much longer. Um, so I think at that point, you got to start looking into the future and, I think Martinez works really well. You got that Argentina link with him and Messi. Uh, so that could be something that just to, you know, be a start to forming a, a real strong connection from a club level standpoint. Um, and I think that's just something that, you know, some, somebody to really try and relieve the stress off Messi, which we, uh, that's what everyone was saying that he was just doing so much and just, you know, how, how can they, how can you lift the burden off him so that he isn't just carrying the team and carrying, doing all the playmaking and goal scoring? Well, how about you can make Lataro be a little more, more of a goal scorer and Messi can still be the playmaker himself, but he doesn't have to do two roles. He can do one and have the other guy do the other. Whereas I think Pjanic is maybe a little bit more limited in that aspect. And I think he is also getting up there in age. I, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to guess, but I think he's probably over 30. Um, so I would, I'd say Lataro although it may be at a heftier price, but you, you get what you pay for. 
I'm going to spin on that and I'm going to say Pjanic because obviously, like you said, um, he's going to come with a little less of a price tag. So I like that one. I like saving my money Um, at the same point. uh, Not on shoes, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I think in the past, um, the notable Barca teams obviously have had really good attacks. I mean, you can – Look at, you know, MSN in the past. You can look at, you know, Ronaldinho and Thierry Henry and guys like that that played there. Ibrahimovic played there at one point. Samuel Eto'o played there. So they've had really good attackers in the past. But um, I don't think there's really a whole lot of world-class attackers out there right now that are available to Barca. I mean, Martinez is very good. and he's, he's got a big upside. But the thing is, is right now I would rather look at something that's always been um, – pretty stable for Barca and a big part of their team in the past when they've been successful. And that's been their midfield. I mean, they've really missed players in the midfield after they lost Xavi and NES. So obviously they just invested in De Jong, who I think has got a long future there ahead of him. But obviously Busquets has been on the team for a very long time. Um, Rakitic is on the way out. Vidal has said that he wants to win the Champions League this year with Barca. And then he wants to go to Inter Milan. So it doesn't seem like he's going to be there very much longer either. Um, I mean, Griezmann, who knows where he's going to fit. So that's the thing is I think that if you're Barca, I would say that there's a lot of spots in the midfield and even on defense in the coming years, like, you know, we could, we've talked about. Um, I think there's a lot more spots to fill. Um, so I think that you should go with the guy that you can get in the midfield and install up your play there and then worry, let Messi do his thing. Yeah, I mean, solid. I mean, personally, who would I want to see more? Uh, Martinez, but the smarter signing, Pionic, in my opinion. The final one is two separate questions. You're going to get one, Gareth, and uh, Miller, you're going to get one. This one's kind of on the spot. Um, so I'm going to say both of them, give you a little bit of time, and then you can go. So, Miller, your question is, there's been links of Sancho, Alon. I mean, they, I mean, you can name anyone in this football world who's played good football. They've been linked to Man United. Who, If you had to pick one person, and just one person alone, that you want to see in the Man United kit, who would it be? And for Gareth, a uh, recent rumor, and obviously these are all of rumors, is that Raul Jimenez is going to make a move out, and one of those teams that's looking to buy him is Juventus. Who who do you replace Raul with as an attacking option? That's realistic. I mean, I don't think you're all, y'all are going to go for someone like Mape. So <laughs> keep in mind some yeah. realistic realistic option for you. And, you know, whoever wants to go first, feel free. I'm just that question popped in my head when I when I was making the show. Gareth, I'm going to give you some time to think. You've got a bit more I definitely need some time to think. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't just say any striker in the world because it's got to Well, because y'all are not going to go out and buy a 150 mil euro Mape out of nowhere. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So let me me do a little research here as a ESPN FC. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I'm sure you have – no, you got to have someone, I'm sure, that you can – No, I do. Um, and this is going to be like a very like cliche answer, but I would say if we could buy anyone right now, I would say let's get Cristiano Ronaldo back to end his career at Man United. Um, Interesting. I think that obviously this team has a lot of youth and everything like that, but um, at, at points it's also good to have, you know, um, a veteran in the locker room, somebody that's been there. I mean, obviously Cristiano has been at Man United. I don't know if he would go back, but um, – just because of the way his career is going and he, you know, he wants to go all over the world and be successful. But obviously he started, um, 
I think what was the real evolution to his career there. And I think that um, he could fit in really well. I mean, we already have a bunch of wings and there's other guys that are linked there, but I think that um, he would fit in anywhere that he wants to play. We'll fit the team around him, whatever you want, Cristiano, you can have. Um, and I think that he would, you know, still be a great goal scorer. Um, he didn't score that many goals when he used to play in, in the, uh, in the Premier League back then, but that was also a different time. So I, I think it would be interesting to see him play there now, even when he's at an older age and he knows a lot more. Um, and to go back to the Premier League and maybe give United a chance at winning something. I mean, I'll give Gareth a little more time to, you know, finalize his answer. But what do you think about the link of Pogba going back to Juventus? There's been links about it already. I personally don't know. I, he had a lot more fun playing there, which I can see. But at the same time, I mean, if, if you're Pogba, you need to think about a couple of things. And I think that right now it's, one, you're going to have to move your family all over again. That's always a big deal to athletes is, you know, just constantly having to move everything. And he's got kids now and everything like that. So, you know, that's always a big factor. But at the same point, um, I think that United has more room to grow upwards than Juve does. I think Juve, obviously, they're kind of going to play it out until Cristiano leaves. And, you know, Pjanic is on the way out. DeLitt might be on the way out. So they may be going down in talent before they're going back up. Um, so I would say look at Man United. You've already got solid relationships. The team will give you anything that you want there. Whereas if you go to Juve, you're not going to be the most important player on the team. So I think it just kind of depends on what you really want. All right, Gareth, who's going to replace the Raul Jimenez, the guy who's legendary for his time at Wolverhampton? I mean, I don't think I think if it wasn't for you guys, I think a lot of people wouldn't be looking at Raul the same way. I think um, you guys yeah. made a big impact. So who's going to replace that kind of attack? The man who saved you from a lot of losses, in my opinion. Oh well, it's you got to consider the the budget. I, when I just first typed that in, it was like a bombing, which would be quite quite ambitious. But uh, okay. maybe a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit more of a reasonable reasonable signing would. Uh, I, I I think I like Andrea Bellotti from uh, from Torino, uh, the Italian striker. Uh, kind of, it's just the Wolves, and that's kind of their budget. But you got to look at the they're that mid tier of strikers. But he's he's always in that kind of competition of. Uh, one of the uh, better strikers in Syria and 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 scoring, and so it's it's tough to really replace Raul Chuz as a as a whole. But I think Bellotti is one of those guys that he's a good finisher and he can you know he can take the penalty uh, and he can and he can smash it in there. So I mean, just ultimately, I mean that's a guy that could be around the 30, 40 million kind of kind of range there. I mean, there might have to be some release clause, but. Um, you hope to hopefully that if Raw does leave that they get a good amount for him uh, and then they can find somebody that can, you know, maybe won't be able, might not be able to do the exact same production as Raw, but you can get a good amount of that production at a lower uh, fraction of the cost. So I think Bilotti could be a good, good chance, a uh, good op op option for that. So would you rather someone younger who may not be as proven or would you rather an older guy who may be a little cheaper, but he's proven himself more? I think it'd be nice to have somebody that's that's proven uh, if you can. And I mean, uh, Bloody's still pretty, I think, relatively young, I want to say. I'm trying to look up. Uh, he's probably, yeah, around 20, 26, 27. So he's still, you know, in his mid-20s. He's still 
probably hasn't reached his his prime just yet, but uh, there's a chance that if he goes to the, the Prem, there could be a chance that he could really shine. Uh, my final and my answer for Barcelona is going to be Neymar Jr. It always will be. I'm still waiting for the day he'll come back, baby. And please, there's the there's the list. They made a apologize list. Apologize to all listeners that have had to hear this. The top three list of who Barca wants: number one, Martinez; number two, Pianic; number three, Neymar Jr. There's still hope. There's the sliver of hope, but we'll talk about that. Miller, Miller, let's just together <laughs> shake our heads and just and just. And no, he's been he's been doing this all all year long. Well, that's gonna do it for this uh, episode podcast version of dissecting the pitch. Uh, we'll be make sure to follow us on Twitter at DTP Blaze, and we're gonna be coming out with some more uh, episodes and content uh, on our on that page uh, in the next you know coming days and weeks as things start to return back to normalcy. But uh, good to see you boys and talk a little soccer, and hope all is well. Hope all is well, bud.